Welcome to episode 12 of The Written Word. I'm Meredith May. And I'm Sean Tupa. This podcast investigates the integral role that writing plays in our society and examines the unique ways that the written word helps us to gain a greater understanding of the world around us. Can you believe it? Season two is already coming to a close. Since we launched The Written Word last August, we've talked about writing a lot. We've heard from educational psychologists, literacy specialists, professors, and even you, our listeners. Many of these conversations have focused on teaching students how to write, but so far one voice has been conspicuously absent, the student themselves. On this episode, we want to rectify that and bring the student voice front and center. We would like to welcome Ben Tarkoff, a student at the University of Alabama and one of Turnitin's summer interns. Thanks so much for letting us put you on the podcast, Ben. Thank you for having me. Yay, welcome, Ben. So I'll just kick this off. Why not? All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you go to school and what's your major? Well, uh, my name is Ben and I'm a junior at the, or a rising junior at the University of Alabama. And currently I'm majoring in communication studies and political science and I'm looking to get my MBA. Nice. Very, very nice. Your generation, more so than perhaps any other, is inextricably linked to technology. How important is technology to your learning process? Uh, well, as much as my parents would hate me saying this, I, uh, technology is pretty key in our learning environment today. I mean, everything we do is mostly connected, if not uh, has a direct link to technology, whether it's um, you know typing a paper and turning it in online for ease of the teacher's understanding or looking at resources to use for papers online or accessing assignments online or on our phones. I think that technology is playing such a huge role in the learning culture today. And in today's world, you just can't really live or teach without technology. Makes sense. And do you think this is a good thing? Being obligated to use technology, do you think this is helping the students or or do you think that there are some disadvantages to it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily a bad or good thing. I think that it's kind of a fact of life now, uh, in a rapidly changing world where every where everything moves at a fast pace. Technology has kind of become you know integral to what we do in our daily lives and how we do it. And so I think that there are a lot of positives we had, a lot of ease of access. Uh, a lot of things are made easier. Email is so much easier, so you can get into contact with professors a lot more. I think some of the negatives really only show their face when it comes to wh- when the person themselves is responsible. So whether that be you know copying something from the internet and not acknowledging it, or as well as you know the other common forms of distractions like social media and class, etc. But um, I think for the most part, it definitely makes life a lot easier. What has been the most valuable lesson about writing that you have learned so far in your educational career? Tell us about the writing. I'd be happy to. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in today's right, at least in my writing, you know, I, as much as I want to accept my first draft is perfect and it's hard to accept criticism on that kind of thing. I have to accept the kind of break you down to build you up philosophy, especially with writing, and that's something that I've had to take to heart over the course of writing because. As I, I'm well, I'm definitely not a math or a science person. You know, I, I would have happily stopped after we learned multiplication tables and division. But unfortunately, I had a couple more levels after that. But I, as a more English-oriented person and going in upper levels of, of English, 
you know, I kind of had to learn to roll the punches and take accept criticism and rebuild a paper as much as that it takes time and I don't want to do it. But that's definitely a lesson. And it's helped me because I can take that and then use that for, for writing in the future. Do you think your experience is one common to most other students in terms of like their emotional um, interaction or reaction to the the editing and and the the process of criticism of the writing? I would definitely agree with that. I think that with most people, I think that the reception to saying you did something wrong or that something you know wasn't the way it should have been is always kind of that moment where you're it's like a kind of a slap in the face and that how could this be you know I'm I, I did it it's my own work how could you be saying this about this but ultimately I think that it's just kind of one of those lessons of life you got to go with and that you got to figure out because it'll only help you in the future I, I'll just say that as a student I was not very open to to feedback on my writing. How about you, Sean? I, uh, yeah, I was a perfectionist, so. Okay. I mean, I, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> so I took it, but I, I, I took it begrudgingly. And, mm. But, you know, the thing is, it worked. So what about how writing changes from, from the classroom to the professional environment? I mean, you've been, you've been at Turnitin now a few weeks, and I'm sure there's been a slight shift in and how you're writing, correct? So, like, how is it different from how you write in school when working at a, an organization like Turnitin? Well, I kind of feel that the stakes are higher, you know, because we're producing, for, and it's a whole new audience, too. It's not your teacher, mm-hmm. and it's also not uh, other students who who I'm lucky enough, you know, other students are less likely to critique. They'll just say, you know, you did great, like, uh, you know, you wrote your name really well or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. because they avoid the kind of criticism. But uh, working for a company, it kind of intimidates me because it goes out to an actual audience of people. And I and it represents the company's brand as well. You know, I'm, I want to make it the best that it can be. And uh, that's going to require kind of a long process. So I but I've, I think it's going to be an enjoyable one. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how how to write and like produce a corporate blog post. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, in 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 school, the stakes are less high, uh, so so it's a time to experiment and get away with, you know, trying out all sorts of things, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to academic integrity, and if if you're plagiarizing, if you're copying, pasting too much, you're not learning those skills that, if you don't learn, then you'll end up in a high, more high stakes environment like this. Do you think students realize this or so? You know, and I'm guilty as charged with this too, but as a student, I'm not really like worrying about the bigger picture when I'm in school. You know, my day-to-day worries go from, you know, will we win the next football game on Saturday, which is yes, because we're that good. Uh, And, or, you know, what am I going to have for lunch today? Or, you know, did so-and-so say this to so-and-so or something? So those are the kind of things that keep me up at night in college, and I'm not really... Um, and I, I would, I'm not, you know, trying to say this for all students, but I would assume that a lot of them are like that, uh, except for the most driven. And, um, and I think that, but I think that ultimately you're right, it will hurt them. And, uh, the sooner you kind of start to realize that the better, even if it's a process, at least you start that ro- the ball rolling. 
So, Ben, how have you developed your authentic voice as a writer? What are some of the ways that you've reached that place in terms of developing a sense of authenticity in your work? Well, I think that something that's really helped me is kind of using what I'm strong at Mm -hmm. and trying to put that into writing. And so I've often gotten the advice from both teachers and my parents that I I get too caught up in guidelines. And so their advice is, you know, if, if an interviewer asked you a question, why is the ecosystem important, the environment? And I had to answer that in one sentence and then use that to, to just write the paper instead of think overthinking it and stuff like that. And so, and then I just kind of start to write and uh, and then kind of edit what comes out. But I think that when it comes to my voice, like what's helped me develop is realize what my strengths are, which kind of lie in humor and just kind of a more like analytical perspective and then try to put that into words. Nice, nice. Who doesn't love humor, right? Yeah. Actually, you bring up a good point. What? Why is the ecosystem important? And could you answer that in one sentence, please? Uh, that's a great question. And, <laughs> you know, and I'd love to get back to you on that one. Yes. Uh, maybe not. Maybe in the future season three podcast, yeah. which yeah. I'm, which you guys should definitely to tune into. And we can figure <laughs> out, uh, we're going to leave this season on a cliffhanger for you guys so that you know, you have a reason to come back and tell your friends about that too. So, but I will definitely ponder that and get back. Awesome. Please wait till season three for more information on the larger ecosystem <laughs> and why it matters. Well, I mean, I guess in, in, in lieu of the answer to that question then, what do authenticity and academic integrity mean to you? Well, I would think that when it comes to authenticity, you know, authenticity to me is is your own work and your own voice and owning that in your paper. And I think it's it's a quick road to the, and easy to figure out if something if someone's not being authentic. And I think that plays out not just in writing papers and things like that, but in everyday life. And if you're not authentic, people are less likely to trust you and less likely to believe you in the future. And that can damage you in so- socially as well as academically. And then you asked about uh, integrity as well. And I think that holding integrity is kind of being the change that you want to that you want to bring about and also setting the example, um, being the example that you want people to see. And that and that comes in, you know, being true in your work really ties into authenticity and just kind of, you know, upholding the standards of wherever you are. For instance, out of Alabama, we have the Capstone Creed promising to uphold integrity and respect and et cetera. And so just holding true to that and your own code like that is what I would think integrity should look like. Sounds good. I almost wonder if, this is just a personal reflection on it, but like, is integrity in and of itself, particularly with academic integrity, it almost feels like at times there are like varying levels of it, right, within your academic journey. And I almost wonder, and this is just a, again, a, a, a thought, but I wonder if it's, it's not that students don't possess that level of integrity. It's just that maybe, you know, given the scope of the work that they're doing and the time and the, and the time and the pressure, it makes more sense at that moment for them to, to find an easier way to, to get the job done. How do you address academic integrity and, and like time management and just overall general pressures that, that are often are associated with being a college student, which is you've got to juggle a lot of different types of assignments and you have a lot of demanding mm-hmm. expectations that are put down on you. Do you think that that, has a, that plays a factor in whether or not someone can uphold their academic integrity throughout their, their academic journey? 
Well, I agree. I think that that actually, to give you some insight, like I think that poses an interesting question because, to be honest, like there are a lot of things in school that like integrity is such a blanket term. Mm -hmm. And I think when you bring up the varying levels, I think that only the most extreme levels people think of as bad, you know, the ones that'll get you caught and sent to the office. Because looking at if someone, if you ask someone what was on a test before that, or if you, you know, help someone with their homework or, you know, all that stuff where it lies on the fringes of what integrity is, you know, you can kind of see yourself as a gray area and getting away with that. And so, I think that's a really great question is like, where do we draw the line for integrity and what that means, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, you know, in, the, in in previous episodes this season, we have started to unpack the, the, the future trends and the future sort of threats to academic integrity. And one of them that has come up time and time again has been contract cheating. As a student, how aware are you of contract cheating? Well, that is another uh, great question. I, coming in to turn it in this summer, actually, when someone brought up contract cheating, I, I mean, I, I felt I tried to act like I knew what I was, you know, talking about. Oh, contract cheating. I, you know, yes, you're right. But, you know, it turns out that it was not about any form of actual contract, like a legal document, mm-hmm. um, which is where my jo- mind jumped first. But uh, I actually... I really didn't uh, know much about that when I came in. Okay. And, you know, does your does your school, University of Alabama, have someone dedicated to helping students understand both academic integrity more holistically, but also maybe threats to academic integrity? So, yeah. So, we actually have – so, in our – in the University of Alabama, we have schools. So, you'll have the College of Communications, which I'm in, the College of Social Work, and so on and so forth. And each of them has their own academic honor council. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of a campus-wide academic honor council. And I'm actually a, uh, serving on the one for the College of Communications. Mm. And what we do is, uh, you know, we do as much as we can with students who have, you know, whose minds are fogged after with an 8 a.m. class and things like that. So we try to make it as painless as possible. And we give presentations in classes about that kind of stuff. And we try to make fun tabling events with food Coffee and donuts are usually a popular choice. I'm not yeah, sure yeah, yeah. If, if if what we're saying is pop, is you know they're receiving that or if it's the, just the donuts and coffee. But we like to think that it's you know what we're saying is kind of is might be getting through. And we do and then there's like a we we do like a trivia wheel, etc. And so it's really just to bring awareness to f- hopefully f- be proactive and further prevent any incidents from occurring. So that's been my experience, and that's how we da- deal with it. I mean, these are more like prevention based, but do students ever become involved in the instruction phase? Like, I mean, if if there are people who, if there are students who have violated the code, uh, who have been caught violating integrity in, in one way or another, are students ever in that process to serve as mentors or examples? Or, or is that not part of the process? Unfortunately, I'm not, you know, very well versed in the, what happens after if you got in trouble or uh, any instructional process, processes that occur. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there is some sort of something that there are definitely programs out there, um, you know, to promote a safer place on campus, etc. that have instructional programs that come to classes and those have students as for academic integrity, 
I'm not so sure if that has students that, that run that, as well as the fact that I, I'm not sure if that might actually cross the realm into you know adults wanting to, to step in and take the reins from there. So, Ben, let's jump ahead a couple of years. Nice. If this were a visual medium... I would see a calendar and like each month flipping away. Or like a clock and the it's clock. going faster yeah. and faster and faster we're, and faster. We're faster. talking about time machine yep. here. We're yep. going into the future. We're becoming precognitive. Mm. You are currently honing your writing skills under, as an undergraduate. How do you anticipate using those skills beyond college and beyond beyond college? Wow. Think about it. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a moment. I... Uh, did not know we were going to get so meta or precognitive <laughs> today, but I, okay, well, uh, I think, well, I mean, I think evidence by kind of where I'm going and the internships I'm looking for and stuff like that, I mean, I'm looking to get into this kind of field, um, like the marketing communications kind of field, and I, you know, as with like any kind of communications, you know, you have to write stuff too, and I think that you know, honing these skills as a writer is one of the ver- most essential things in the field that I'm looking to go into because I think when you me- meld business with communications and marketing, you know, you're a large part of that is is writing and it's mar- writing, t- it's marketing to people, PR, things like that. And so I think, you know, in a few years, hopefully, you know, if I get a job, which I like to think that I will, but that I'm going to have to use them eventually. And so it's better to do that now and get the experience necessary to have that in the future. That answer was wrong. Robots will be doing your job for you in the future. Well, in the future, you have to decide, are you a host? Which means, are you a robot? Or are you visiting in the park? Right, exactly. No, that is awesome, Ben. No, uh, that, that is great. And I mean, thank you for... Uh, Oh, do you have any other questions? I I um, don't. I mean, I think Ben knocked it out of the park. I think he did. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ben, for joining us thank today. Thank you so much, Ben. And, and thanks is... for, you know, sharing insights into the life of a student who is interested in being authentic and original and also looking to the future and doesn't want robots to do their homework for them. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah, that's something I never thought I would be thinking of today, but now I'm now I'm getting a little worried, so I'll have to take a little breather after this meeting. But I appreciate you guys for having me on the show, and it was an honor. The written word is sponsored by Turnitin. It's hosted by Meredith May. And Sean Tupa. This episode was written by Peter Kerr and Amanda Zellig's Hand. Produced by Sam Swink. Creative direction by Sebastian Caceres. Illustrations by Lydia Ortiz. Music by Gianni Izzo. Many thanks to our special guest, me. <laughs> <laughs>